Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Hello, Bethel Atlanta. Uh, My name is Blake, and this is a guitar. Um, It's a pretty nice guitar, you know. Uh, It's not the most fancy. It's not like a Taylor or a Martin or something fancy like that. But, you know, this is one that's sitting around the office. And, uh, yeah, it works, you know. I don't know if you guys can hear that. You know, that reminds me of a scripture. <laughs> um, my favorite chapter in the Bible, actually, which is 1 Corinthians 13. <clears throat> uh, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal or an out-of-tune guitar. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. That scripture has always stuck out to me. And I, I know that we all know the next part, the part that's our favorite. You know, love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy it doesn't boast, all that good stuff. But this first part is uh, one of a handful of scriptures that feel haunting in a good way to me. Man, if I, if I don't have love, all this stuff means nothing. A, a way that I interpret it is if I don't have love, I have rendered my ability to communicate, release, and release the goodness of God inert. I, I have cut off my ability to reveal God's goodness, to reveal his kingdom through all these things that I typically think of as revealing his kingdom, prophecy, miracles, faith that can move mountains. If I don't have love, I've missed it. And there's a lot of scriptures like this. You know, Jesus is talking with the Pharisees numerous times and they ask about what's the most important law, what's the most important commandment? And, you know, we all know it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second, which is like it, is love your neighbor as yourself. And, he's, and in that scripture in Matthew, he says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Again, the way I interpret it is our, our one job as Christians is to reveal God's love, is to love God and love people. This is our job. And much in the same way, that a guitar's one job is to play music. And if that guitar is not tuned correctly, it won't be able to play that music at all. It won't be able to do what it is designed to do. And it's one of those things that's interesting because that guitar is still undeniably a guitar. It's still a guitar, it has all of its strings, it's in fine working condition. It's just not tuned to what it's supposed to be tuned to. Now, I want want to take just a moment because God's love is, it's something that I think we kind of 
can mis, misapproach, maybe is the right way to put it. You know, love is not just being nice to people, even though we know that love is kind. Love is not just being in harmony with other people. Love is not just good feelings towards some, someone or something. Love is so much bigger than that. In fact, in 1 John 4, he makes, John makes an incredibly bold statement, which is that God is love. What, what that says to me, and, and even going through this, this list of, of the aspects of love in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, it tells me that love is mysterious, that it is bigger than any of us, that it is bigger than any one of us, and that to assume that I understand it or that I've got a handle on it or that I have it figured out can be a huge mistake. Um, I want to share one story with you guys. It's, it's one of my biggest personal encounters with God's love, and I hope it can kind of set a, a framework here because we can you know, get, get into this space where we are you know, uh, we get very measuring stick-ish with the way that we are talking about love of like, well, am I loving enough or am I being loved enough? And it become this very unloving thing. What I want to talk about today is that the only way to learn how to love is to become a student of God's love, to follow his love, to let him teach me what his love is. That's the only way that it can happen. And so... I, most of you who've been around for a while have, uh, know that I, I got involved in the prophetic ministry when I was 12 years old. Um, I, I, my mom dragged me to this prophecy class. It was the first time I'd ever learned about the gifts of the Spirit. And it was, it was this amazing thing. It was this, I, I grew up in the church, but this was the first time I had experienced, man, God is a, a real person that I can have a relationship with, that I can have a connection with. Man, God actually wants to talk to me. That was the first time that I feel that I, I had an encounter with his love myself. Now, at that church in, at that time, we kind of had a process of the way that you'd grow in the prophetic, that they wanted you to be involved in the prophetic ministry for three years, and then you would be considered a seasoned, like a turkey, I guess, or a piece of wood, I don't know, uh, seasoned, and you were seasoned in the prophetic, and then you were kind of more free to give words freely. Before that, they really wanted you to write the words down and, you know, hand them to one of the leaders, have them check on it, that kind of thing. And so I started in the prophetic ministry there when I was 12. I served on the teams faithfully, went to all the trainings, went there you know, week after week, trained with the team. And so three years later, I was 15 years old, and I was feeling pretty good about myself. I was like, oh, I am seasoned in the prophetic at 15 years old. How fantastic. That's, that's lovely. You know, I had more freedom to, to practice prophesying, to start teaching uh, the prophetic in the youth group and things like that. And in the middle of, of feeling really good about that, I went on this missions trip with my youth group. Uh, we went to visit France and England. We did some street ministry with a, with a ministry in Paris. And then we helped support this, uh, this youth ministry that was in, um, I was in England. And so my, my youth pastor always liked to put something kind of fun at the end of all of our trips so that, you know, maybe so that we would get, not get home and tell our parents that he worked us like dogs the rest of the time. But we, we went to this trip, and, and, and uh, at the end of it, he took us to this really big youth conference. It was this big, huge youth conference that was being held in this uh, relatively small town in England. In fact, there were so many kids coming to this conference that they had to, uh, the, the hotels couldn't accommodate everybody, so they had to set up all these tents and things in this uh, cattle field that was near this big uh, stadium cattle auction house, which is where they were holding the event. It was this double-decker stadium seating kind of situation. And so 
We'd been on this mission trip and we went to this conference and flash forward to last session, last night of the conference. Uh, me and my youth group are sitting in kind of the upper, upper area, the upper deck of, of the stadium seating there. And, you know, it had been a long trip. We were all pretty tired and we were, you know, just sitting back there and relaxing. We were going to be flying back home the next day. And so as I was sitting there, I was listening to the preacher preach, and I could just tell by the way that he was speaking, the kind of story that he was telling, just the pentameter of his voice, that he was about to invite people up to the front to receive Jesus for the first time. Now, I'd known Jesus and been a Christian since I got saved at the post office when I was three years old, which is a separate story. Um, and I, uh, so I was, you know, but I could tell because I'd been in church so much that he was, you know, winding up for the pits to invite people to receive Jesus for the first time. Since I had already been a Christian for a while, I decided that the best thing for me to do at that point was to take a quick nap. And so I put my feet up on the empty chair in front of me. I leaned back. And for no real reason, one more time, I leaned forward and I, I looked down to the stage where the preacher was preaching. And I saw Jesus, uh, which made me sit back up. He was standing in the margin between the stage and the chairs, and he was pacing back and forth. And, and he was pacing with this kind of intention, it, like this intensity, this intentionality. It wasn't, it wasn't anxious, it, it wasn't nervous, but there was a purposefulness and an intensity to the way that he was walking. And as I watched him, I noticed that every time he would turn, he would keep his vision fixed at a point somewhere at the back of the room. And so I, I followed his line of sight to this girl that was at the back of the room. She was uh, leaning against a divider between where the stadium seating started and the rest of the, the floor was. And she kind of had her head rested down like, like this, resting on the divider. And in the back of my mind, I heard the Holy Spirit say, he sees no one but her. And again, I could feel the, the purposefulness, the intensity with which he was watching this girl. There was, again, there, there was no fear, there was no anxiety, but there was an intensity and an intentionality to the way that he was walking. And it was so strong that I felt drawn in. I felt like, like unnecessary systems were shutting down just so that I could devote more energy to focusing on what was happening, like I was just being drawn in. And so because of this, it was, it was distantly that I heard the preacher invite people up to the front to receive Jesus for the first time. And as soon as I heard that, my eyes snapped back to the girl. And I was just focused on her. And I looked, and I saw for the briefest of moments, she had her head resting down like this. And just for a brief moment, she lifted her head and peeked up. Well, I, I saw him move, but it didn't take him any time to get there. He was pacing at the front, and then he was standing right there in front of her. And again, I'm just feeling so drawn in. This, the, 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 the magnitude of the moment is weighing heavily on my heart. And in the middle of that, again, the girl kind of rested her head back down. And after a moment, one more time, she, she lifted her head. And when she lifted her head the second time, I saw chains appear all around her. They were covering her completely from neck to ankles. She was just completely covered in chains. And they went off in four long strands. And at the end of each, there was a demon. And the demons kind of pulled and twisted the chains in such a way that it caused the girl to slump back down with her head against the divider. But that didn't really matter because as soon as her head slumped down, Jesus leaned forward and he kissed her on the forehead. 
And as soon as he did that, every single link in the chain exploded like firecrackers. Just every single chain, piece of the chain exploded. And when the last link in the chain broke, there was this bright flash of white light. It was so bright that it completely blinded me. I couldn't, I couldn't see anything. My vision slowly faded back in the way that it would if a bright light had been shown in your eyes. And when it did, I, I couldn't see the stage. I couldn't see the chairs. I couldn't see any of the 3,000 or so kids that were at this conference. I, I looked down and I couldn't even see myself. All I could see was Jesus and the girl. And the girl was, was standing there looking up at Jesus and Jesus was standing there with his, with his arms open wide. And she leaned forward and she hugged him around the waist. And as soon as uh, that happened, I, I felt this sense of heaviness or weight from above me. And I looked up and I saw this, this hand coming down with its index finger extended. And it was big, each, each finger was about as big around as a baseball bat. And it reached down with its index finger and it just touched me on the forehead. And the second it touched me on the forehead, I, I, I uh, immediately snapped back to reality. The, the stadium reappeared, the stage reappeared. I found myself standing. I'm not entirely sure when that happened. And the, the snapback to reality was so sudden that I stumbled backwards and fell into my chair. And I, I sat there for a moment just feeling shell-shocked, like a, like a truck had run me over. And I leaned forward uh, just in time to see the girl running up to the front to receive Jesus, uh, even though she already had. And you know, that, that was awesome. That was, that was a really special thing to see. But, but what, what changed me and what changed my, my life, honestly, from that day forward is what happened right after that. So I'm sitting there in my chair, just again, feeling shell-shocked, feeling numb. My, my limbs are feeling you know, uh, numb and tingly and weird and all that. And I'm sitting there, and then all of a sudden, everyone stands up around me and starts walking. And I look around, and I'm like, oh, I guess it ended at some point. And um, you know, we were staying in tents in the nearby field. And I'm pretty good at getting lost in my own neighborhood in broad daylight. So I was not entirely confident in my ability to make it back to the right tent. And so I, I quickly got up, looked around for one of the members of my youth group, uh, saw one of the girls that was in my youth group and said, okay, if I, if I just kind of keep my eyes fixed on her, I'm not going to get too lost. And so I'm walking through this crowd of 3,000 kids and just kind of focusing on this one girl. Now, I, I knew this girl. She was in my youth group. We weren't best friends or anything. I didn't you know, really know that much about her. But as I was walking through this crowd, just feeling this heaviness on, on me, I focused, as I, and I, as I focused on her, I saw everything that there was to know about her life. I saw every decision that she had ever made. I saw every moment of joy, every moment of peace, and every moment of happiness. I saw every moment of pain, every moment of confusion, and every moment of sorrow. I saw every single one of these moments, one after the other, bop, 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 bop. And it wasn't like I was seeing a slideshow or little clips from a movie. It felt like I suddenly had thousands of memories about this person's life. And I could feel the weight of every single moment as if it were someone that mattered to me, as if it were someone that I cared for, that was, that was a sister or a close friend. And as this all snapped together, all of a sudden I saw her entire future. I saw every decision that would be laid before her and I saw which choices she would make and which choices she would not make. I saw the fullness of her potential, the perfect path that God had laid out for her with every good thing that he had prepared for her. And I saw which parts of that she would choose and which parts of that she would not choose. 
And as I saw all of this over and over again, it all swirled together into this overwhelming feeling of love. An, an impossible, huge, un, unfathomable feeling. It felt like I was only holding on to a corner of this feeling, barely able to contain it. And it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until finally it, it literally physically became painful to hold this feeling. And it, again, it became so painful that I, I literally had to pull myself away from looking at her and turn to the side. And when I did, I saw another person who I'd never met before, just another one of the strangers in the crowd. But the second I looked at him, I saw everything there was to know about his life. I saw every decision he had ever made. I saw every decision that he would make. I saw the fullness of his potential and how far he was going to make it along that line of potential. And I fell totally and completely in love with this person that I had never met before that moment. And it began, it became painful, it became overwhelming, so I had to pull myself away. But again, I saw another person and saw everything there was to know about their life. Then another person and saw everything there was to know about their life. And unfortunately, as I mentioned, I was in a very large crowd, and so I'm ping-ponging from person to person to person, unable to stop, unable to control the rate at which the, this feeling of love is getting overwhelming, getting faster and faster and faster. And again, this, this feeling was not an idle thing. It wasn't just warm feelings. It, it, it didn't demand anything from the person, but it demanded to be expressed. It demanded to be shown. I, I wanted to hug them. I wanted to kiss them. I wanted to sing to them. I wanted to prophesy over them. I wanted to pick them up in the air and spin them around. I wanted to grab them by their face and scream how much God loved them. But anytime I thought of anything to do in response to that love, it felt so painfully and woefully inadequate in comparison to that love that I felt paralyzed. It felt wrong to do anything so small in comparison to love so big. So finally, I got a bright idea and looked straight at the ground. And I felt like a genius. <laughs> And so I'm shuffling through this crowd of 3,000 people staring at my feet uh, trying to navigate through when I kid you not, someone's foot kicks out in front of me and I see everything there is to know about their life. I see every decision that they've made. I see every decision they will make. And I fall totally and completely in love with this person before I even see their face. And so somehow I made it back to my tent and fell down face first in my pillow and thank God, when I woke up the next day, it was gone. Because I, I don't know how I would have functioned if that had kept happening. So I, I was 15 years old when this happened. I was uh, seasoned in the prophetic. I, I had been in the prophetic ministry for 12 years, and I had been going after it hard. I had spent three and a half years intensely pursuing the gift of prophecy, growing in it, being uh, stretching my ability to hear his voice on a con con very super consistent basis, growing, growing, growing. I thought that maybe I had le at least an idea of what it looked like for God to love people. But the big lesson I learned on that day was that I had not yet begun to scratch the surface of the depths of love that God has for every single human being on this planet. It is bigger than your decisions. It is bigger than your mistakes. It is bigger than you being smart enough, gifted enough, funny enough, 
anointed enough. It is bigger than all of those things. It is bigger than anything. And within it, everything that the Bible says, every outlandish promise that Jesus spoke while he was here on earth, suddenly makes the most perfect and simple kind of sense. That in the presence of that kind of love, in a world with that kind of love pointed at it, I understand why God isn't scared of anything, why, why no circumstance, no situation, no individual, no, no potential freaks him out. It's not because he knows the end. It's because he knows who he is and what he carries, and he knows the magnitude and the power of that love. Mike did a, a, an amazing sermon last week about humility, about coming with a humble heart. If there is one place that we can generously apply humility, it is almost certainly with regard to God's love. The, the, the power and majesty and magnitude of his love is, it is so massive that it, even if every single human being on the planet was operating to the full measure of every spiritual gift, we would still even throughout the entirety of human history, not completely explore and discover the magnitude of that love. That's how powerful it is. That's how transformative it is. And I want to encourage you because I think that some of us hear this scripture. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. We may mistakenly look at that scripture and just constantly feel like we're failing. <laughs> that constantly feel like, uh, I'm not doing good enough, I'm not loving enough, or thinking of love in the concept of enough or doing enough. I, I do believe that love is a verb. I agree with DC Talk on that point. I do believe that love is an action. I do believe that love requires a response. That is absolutely true. But more importantly and more true than that, love is a person. Love is a person named Jesus. Love is the nature of the Father. And we cannot express or experience or grow our love without knowing him. And so the first thing I want to say to you today is you need an encounter with Jesus to be able to understand his love. I have had hundreds, big ones, big noisy ones like that one that left me shaking and little quiet ones that were gentle whispers. We need encounters with him. And please believe me, if you knock, if you seek, if you look to him, he will meet you. He will show up in your life. He will fall like fire on the sacrifice of your praise, and he will show up to reveal himself to you. And I, do, I don't want to ignore the, the, the statement of caution that's, presence, that, excuse me, that's present in this scripture. To me, this says, you know, if, if I have not love, I'm like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I don't get this love thing, every effort at releasing God's kingdom that I do on this earth will be unresounding and void. It's a hard statement, but it is the way that he has set up his kingdom. He has hung every other commandment on this one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. If we are not living with that focus, if we are more concerned about being right, if we are more concerned about anything else, we do render ourselves void, even if there are miracles. 
even if there is knowledge, even if there is great prophecy, even if you're still a guitar, <laughs> if we are not resounding with his love, we are missing it. And again, I want to release the heaviness of that because we need an encounter with him. Like I said, we need an encounter. We cannot get this revelation on our own. The second story I want to share is much more mellow and much shorter. Despite that encounter being part of my history, I'm not perfect at loving people. In fact, I think that maybe I might be okay at it. That, that is where I would rate myself at this current time. Um, just the other day, I was at the zoo with my kids. And, you know, uh, they got all this, uh, you know, new protocol in place. We're wearing, wearing the mask. You got this, like, little one-way trip through the whole zoo that you, that you got to do to make sure everyone's all safe and everything. And, you know, uh, if you, I have five kids uh, that are nine and under. And so I don't know uh, what it's like for uh, you when you go to a situation like that. But this basically felt like taking five kids through airport security for two and a half hours. Or at least that's how it felt to me. It was super fun, and there were animals, and that was great. But this little part of me was like, oh, man, I'm managing these kids through airport security for two and a half hours. That's what it feels like going to the zoo today. And so I'm trying to keep the kids moving because they asked us to keep moving. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to, you know, uh, make sure that my kids are being respectful. And I'm just kind of trying to hurry, hurry, hurry through this whole thing. And part of me is feeling guilty because I'm like, oh, we literally are doing this to try to spend time with our kids and do something fun with them. And I'm trying to hurry through this process. And I'm also just, you know, feeling anxious, feeling stressed. And all of a sudden, in the middle of all that, I just hear the Holy Spirit ever so gently but ever so firmly say, love is patient. And I take a deep breath. And then I get anxious again and I'm trying to hurry the kids through things and trying to you know, keep things moving. And then again, I hear this whisper, love is patient. And I take a deep breath, but then I get stressed again. And, da -da -da -da, and over and over all day, he reminds me, love is patient, love is patient. Love is patient. And we finally get through the day, and I do, I probably, if I were to rate myself, I'd probably give myself about a D or D minus passing, but just barely uh, on how patient I was for the entirety of that zoo trip. But I sat down in the car and thought, uh, you know, oh gosh, that was, that was fun, but I feel like I was struggling to have fun the whole time. And again, I just heard the Holy Spirit say, love is patient. I put that one first in the list for a reason. <laughs> And again, in that moment, I felt like I had an invitation to another layer of revelation of what his love looks like, a small one, one that just involves my family, one that was as simple as, oh, when I'm trying to hurry with my family, it's really hard for me to show love to my family. They're almost incompatible. I still don't know perfectly how to apply that to my life. There are still situations where I need my kids to hurry, where I'm in a situation where I feel like I need to, to hustle and bustle, and maybe I violate that, that line of love. But what I don't want to do is make excuses for that and say, well, well, we had to just get this done, because love is my prime directive. Love is the highest commandment from my Lord. His highest commandment is to love him and love others. And so I don't have the luxury, or I don't want to have the luxury of making excuses or exceptions to when I love. I want to discover with him what love looks like in every situation. Most of those situations that, at least for myself, that I've found where I step outside of love, it's usually because, not because 
love isn't actually applicable there or love isn't actually the answer, it's usually because if I'm honest with myself, I have no idea what love looks like in that situation. And it's still true today. I don't know what love looks like towards my family when I'm in a hurry, when I'm late, when I'm feeling anxious about being late or needing to be on time somewhere. But you know what? There is a way to still not violate the, the honor that I feel of being on time, of, of being responsible, of, of being well-organized, of my kids being respectful of, of my time, their own time, and other people's time, while not stepping away from the standard of love. There is a way to reconcile those things. And I would love to put that challenge to you guys today is we need an encounter with him, big ones, big noisy ones, and also little whispers that teach us what his love looks like in all of the situations that we face. Big ones, little ones, and all of them in between. I wanna challenge and encourage every person listening today. You know, we've been talking about this a lot with, with social media and uh, opinions about government, about uh, virus stuff, about life. You know, it's all kind of turned up to 11 right now, but all this stuff has been going on in some form kind of forever. If we want to release what God wants to release on the earth into these areas, we need to become students of love. It is the only way to release the gospel into the earth. If we don't, we may see miracles. We may have really good knowledge, really good insight, and really good ideas. We may give in a way that helps people but we will miss out on the full magnitude of his kingdom. And I'm not trying to say that in a scary way. I'm just trying to apply what the Lord said to this situation. That if I step away from the, the, prime, the prime goal, the prime commandment, then I will undermine the gospel in my life. Or in some ways even worse, miss out on a piece of it. And again, this isn't a performance thing. This isn't a I gotta love harder. This isn't a I need to sweep my feelings around under the rug and just be pleasant to everyone. That's not what love is. We need to discover what it looks like to have strong opinions, to have strong ideas, to push for change, to push for transformation, to, to stand strong on values and beliefs, but do it through the commandment of love. If we do that, we will be able to offer something that no organization and no individual on this planet is able to offer. It is the gift that Jesus died for, to release an impartation of his love. And so wherever you're at right now, whether you're on your couch or in the bathroom or whatever, uh, please stand up if that is appropriate and you're able. <laughs> can make a couple jokes, but I'm not going to. You're welcome. Um, please stand up. Just put your hands out in front of you. And we just say, Lord, we make ourselves humble in your presence. We make ourselves humble towards you. It's easy sometimes to, to, to get humble when we look at your power, when we look at your strength, when we, when we imagine that you are holding the world in your hand or that you could you know, move a mountain. Or, or it's, it's easy to be humble in the presence of that kind of power. But we want to adjust our hearts to become humble in the presence of your love a humble that, that, that maybe we have even seen an inadequate picture of that love, that we have reduced your love to just kindness, even though kindness is within love. We have reduced your love to just patience, even though patience is one of the things that's in your love. 
that, you're, that we now make ourselves humble to the truth that we don't understand your love yet. We do not, no one on this planet has a full revelation of your love. But we as sons and daughters, as disciples of Jesus, can live a life constantly in pursuit of more of your love. And we just humble our hearts right now together as a people and say, we commit that we will follow the prime commandment, the most clear and consistent message that you have released to set us as alignment, to, to, to align our hearts, to align our opinions, to align the execution of our purposes. We, we just commit to aligning it under the banner of your love. May we discover what it looks like to love in the midst of disagreement, to love in the midst of strong different opinions, to, to, to love instead of try to convince, to love instead of argue, to release truth, but truth that is surrounded by your love. And we again admit to the truth that, that all of us have fallen short, all of us have decided to set love to the side and just run, to set love to the side and just get it done, to set love to the side and just say what I mean or just speak the truth. And we recognize and step into the truth, the real truth, that any fact outside of your love is no longer the truth, that your love is the lens, is the standard, is the, the plumb line that you have set for your people. And we right now align our hearts to it. I also just release a wave of repentance of any of us who have fallen into the trap of safe love, of love that is just kindness, of love that is just you do you over here. And release the truth that that is not love. That is creating a safe distance. That is creating a, a barrier where I don't need to actually do the action of love. If whatever side of this we've fallen on, we don't want to focus on what we've done wrong. We want to focus on, Lord, we are following your plumb line. And so every one of us, from wherever we are coming at this, Lord, we turn our eyes not to the person who's doing it this way, not to the person who's doing it that way, but to you, our Father, our leader, our example of love. And we decide to follow you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Just, um, just one last prayer before we wrap up here. I, I was just feeling in, in the inside my heart, um, that there was, um, there was someone out there, maybe a couple of you who are just dealing with this really, um, just rough anxiety. Like it's in, it's not just the, you know, maybe some stuff that's a little bit normal right now of people being worried about external things or what's going on. But it's this, uh, it's to me, the, the way it felt as I was praying was just this aimless anxiety, this, this, what am I doing with my life? How can I do this? Or, or all my plans are just been kind of turned over and I don't know where to go or what to do or what direction is, and maybe you're, you're even kind of a driven person by nature, but you're just not knowing where to drive at, and that just is creating this huge anxiety. I just, I just saw this picture of the hand of God just resting heavy upon your shoulders, that his hand was so big that he had one finger on each of your shoulders, and, and his middle finger was just resting on the back of your head, and he just brought the weight of his presence upon you, and I just saw him grab you and turn you, and he was guiding you towards where you're going. And I just felt that this was just a word for you, whoever you are out there, that the, you haven't been wasting time. You haven't been missing out on your calling or your anointing. You have been 
growing something inside of you that he's about to release into your life. He's been growing something on the inside that you're about to step into the season where he's going to start revealing it on the outside. You've always been a really successful person who can bop, 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 always going after things. But you have been faithfully following him, whether you knew it or not, in growing something on the inside. And now he's about to set you loose in a direction. So if that resonates with you, I just, just release that as a word. I just release peace over anxiety for anyone who has been feeling that. Um, yeah, so the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, and follow love. It's the only way. Love you guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.